Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. It's a joy to be able to stand upon this platform and be able to preach and encourage and teach and to be trusted. I, having been a pastor for over 30 years, I trusting whoever gets in the pulpit's a big thing, so I don't take it lightly. We had uh, 44 people who had a healing in the last service, and, um, and it basically was, and I, I taught on, um, what did I just teach on that last message? <laughs> Power of the testimony. And then we had a, a video, a short video at the end, and I just told them as we watched this video, uh, people are going to be healed. And um, I want you to know that wasn't presumption, it's, it's, and it wasn't a gift of faith either. It was just faith that's based upon having a relationship of many years now of every time that we would do this, that God would use the video to build faith, and people were getting healed. So it was it would have been, I would have been shocked if somebody hadn't have been healed because we've been watching God be so faithful. As a matter of fact, I had no intention of saying this, but there's somebody right now, you can be healed and you have a problem with your left shoulder just right in here. And um, I don't know if you're having the pain right now, but you have a problem with it. And I believe if you'll get up and just start moving your shoulder, uh, you're going to be healed and just take like 20 seconds. And because, the reason why I'm doing this is as I was speaking, all of a sudden I started having pain in this shoulder, and I don't have that pain. That's a word of knowledge. And if, when you when you're feel like, hey, my movement, my pain, my restoration of movement or pain has gone down, I'm at least 80% better than give God the glory by waving both hands over your head. If that happens, there's one, two, three, uh, four, five, six. Thank you, God. Think anybody over here 80% better yet? We haven't even prayed yet. We just, it was just the declaration. So keep moving it. We have about six that's already saying, hey, we thank you, God. We thank you for the ones that's already been healed. Now we're actually prayers legal. Thank you, God, for these people. I know it's your will to heal this because I had no idea, concept, clue, wasn't planning on doing that. But Lord, you, you let me know you wanted to do it. Based on John 5, 14, we know this is your will for people to be healed of this. And so, Father, we bless them and we speak healing to them. We just command the pain to leave. God, we command the pain to leave and full restoration in Jesus' name. Not only the pain to leave, but the ability to move it, Lord, to be restored, full range of motion in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Now, one last time before we sit down, just check it out. And if you're at least 80% better, wave both hands. You weren't able to a while ago, but now you can. Wave both hands over your head. There's another... Thank you, Lord. There's another six, that's, that's eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Thank you, Lord, putting them together. All right. Well, isn't it amazing how hard we had to work for that? You know, my voice is hoarse. I'm sweating. I had to work so hard. 
Now, I'm being facetious, obviously, but there's a rest in faith when you know that what you're, if you know what God wants to do next. That's, that's it's just, it's, it's different. And I knew that was what God wanted it to do because after about 40 years of, of pursuing these things, it's, uh, he, he teaches you about his ways. One of my favorite sermons is when, and based on Exodus 33, 13, where Moses said, if I found favor in your sight, then teach me your ways that I may know you. Understanding the ways of God helps us to recognize when he is in our presence in a way that often we miss it. And so it's very important. It's also connected to the, I think it's the 18th verse, the same chapter. And then he says, now show me your glory. And the, the number one way God glorifies his name in the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, is through his signs and wonders. Um, the number one way in the Old Testament is through the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day in the Exodus, um, um, in the wilderness time. That was the number one way connected to the word glory in the Old Testament is connected to that. In the New Testament, the number one way is, is connected to his miracles and his healings. Uh, for example, in John 1, 11, when he turned the water into wine, it was his first miracle that Jesus did in Canaan and Galilee, where he turned the water into wine, and he thus revealed his glory. Um, Paul and John both, as apostles, will use the word glory as a synonym for power, that the glory of God reveals, the power of God reveals the glory of God, and the glory of God is revealed in the power of God. And so it's really important when we say, we just want God to be glorified, then the number one way he does that is through what he does. And in our testimony of what he has done also brings him glory. He creates glory for himself by what he does. And we bring glory to him by our testimony of what he's done. <clears throat> so today I want to speak to you on, um, I've only preached on this this is the third time in my life. The last few times was a few years ago. Um, and I just made up the title for it and looked it up a while ago with some scriptures. I want to teach you lessons on faith from three boat rides. We're going to look at three passages of scripture and just draw a little bit of uh, insight from them. And then we're going to go for healing uh, again. And then tonight, the whole meeting is going to be about healing. And, and be, uh, before I begin, I do want to say this. I didn't bring hardly any books, and I, you know, my, my office didn't send out enough. But I do want you to be able to get some of the books that I, I, uh, I'm excited about. My doctoral dissertation, I used parts of it in four of the books that I've written. I've written about 40 books. And if you're interested in healing, and uh, that, that would be a great place to study. Um, both I tried to refute cessationism, that the gifts ended and liberalism that they, you know, against the supernatural in, in my dissertation. Secondly, there's another one about um, resp uh, responding to the critics of the New Apostolic Reformation, and uh, we have a, a book that's written on that. I have about 60 pages in it. Um, we have another one that's available. It's, a, it's about a $15 book, but it's free. You can get it. I won't tell you how in a minute. Um, and it's, it's called Healing Energy. Whose, is, whose energy is it? And it just, what's the difference between Christian healing and New Age healing? 
What's the difference between Christian healing, the model of praying for the sick that we use, and Reiki and therapeutic touch? Uh, there really are significant differences. And, and so on this website, I'm going to give you in a, in a second, I have many things that's there. It's free, and there will be, um, we try to get two or three new major works on it every year. So it's always a gift that keeps on giving. So here's how you would access that. If you have your phones, you want to write it down, you write it down on a piece of paper. Randy Clark, the number 13, there it is. The number 13, a dot, period, academia.edu. Now, if you get to that page where in a certain, certain uh, URLs are, are different from another, but if you get to that page, you can see where I'm at there, that my picture. If it's down below, there's four words. And one of those words is research. You need to click on that. And that then opens up all these documents to you. Sometimes you get to a, a page where it's already open. And you don't have to click on research. So if that happens, you don't have to worry about it. You can just scroll down and see all these different things. So I want that to be a blessing to you. And um, like I said, it's, it's, it's totally free. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask for your power and your presence to come, and we thank you for what you're about to do today and tonight, and we pray, Lord, that there would just be a great, you would receive a lot of glory because a lot of things happen. We pray, Father, that it would not be just, uh, that not just be healings, but there could be some miracles in the name of Jesus because we just think you're worthy of that in Jesus' name. Show yourself strong. Show us your glory. And may we see also in your glory, your compassion. What, Lord, we just declare that if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and it seems like he's always going from going to heal somebody, coming from healing somebody, talking about healing somebody, when we look at what he liked to do, it just seems like it would be very unusual that God could show up in our church meetings and nothing happened. That seems like he really does like to heal. So we, we come with an expectation of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles to, or your app to, your Bible app to Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. And uh, we're going to read this passage, but as we read it, our perception on this one, the truth I want us to get is that Jesus expects us to step out of the boat and walk on his word. Now, I'm going to say some things that maybe you say, well, you said more than what you just said there. But I said, Jesus, he, he, he likes it when we actually ask to do something that he hadn't even thought about yet, but he likes your idea. And he invites you into something that probably he wasn't going to ask you to do but the fact that you asked to do it, he says, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That wasn't my plan, but it is now because you wanted it. And he expects us, though, once we have the invitation to walk the walk of faith, and the walk of faith is walking on the word of invitation. So here's the scripture, Matthew 14, 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, 
They've been out rowing and Jesus is walking on the water and they're, they're stuck in the storm. They're not getting anywhere. They're getting exhausted. You know, they probably are frustrated. Why would Jesus send us here? And they, we're in this storm and where's he at? And, you know, because they're in the boat by themselves. And in that fourth night of the watch, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. When Toronto first happened, I used to preach from this text a lot, and I was using it in the sense of Jesus was coming to them in a way they weren't used to, and they weren't sure it was God because he'd not come to them in this way before, walking on the sea, walking on the water. And, And in the midst of it, though, he talks to them, and he says, it looks like him, but may, well, maybe it's his ghost. And, but I, one of the things in the early days of Toronto was saying, it looks like him, it sounds like him, and he acts like him, even though it's very different from the way that he's worked in the past. We need to be open to the, whatever God wants to do. In every major revival, that's an overstatement, but in many revival moves of God, there's consistency with things he's done in the past and the new thing that is unusual, or it's been so long since he did that that we have no uh, acknowledge that he's done that in the past because it's hundreds of years ago, maybe. So there's always the unique, the novel, and, and, and also this consistency. Yes, this looks like God. So don't be surprised if God comes in such a way that there's something new that happens. And often the new that's happening is, is kind of like, do you really want me enough to, to go past what is offending you? In the Pentecostal movement, it was tongues. In the uh, reign, it was prophecy. In um, Finney, it was falling down. Wesley, it was falling down. Uh, in Toronto, it was laughing. In, in, uh, so there's been these moves in the past, but there's something new that was uh, problematic because it was new. So we need to be open to the fact that in the midst of it, that he can speak to us. And the way to test is, Lord, ask him, can I participate? If this is you, would you do it to me? If this is, if this is you, can I come to you? So they, they cried out, it's a ghost, and they, they were, uh, cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. He, he doesn't come to, to scare us on purpose. It's just that he's so different. Yes, so... His ways are not our ways. He's so powerful. I remember once I had an old house built in 1901. I paid $40,000 for it and uh, as remodeling it. Anyway, um, if the basement would always flood. It's an old, old, really old basement. Like I said, it's built in 1901. And every time it rained a lot, the, the water would flood. And one time I had the deep freeze in there and it was empty. And, and, and so it, one end was kind of floating and I had a big drop cord to it. And I'm, I'm knee deep in water and I'm walking through. I don't know. I used to say, you guys, I know you're like, this guy is crazy. He's walking knee deep in water into the, the refrigerator and it's plugged in. And in one end of it's floating, the other one's in, in the water. And when I walked by the orange drop cord, 
I, I don't even touch it, but I feel the electrical current on my shoulder from that. And I think, I need to get out of this water. <laughs> oh, and what I'm saying is when you get really close to power, you can feel it. There are times that when Jesus comes into our midst, his power is just recognizable. You can feel it. His love, the weeping, sometimes his joy, the laughing, sometimes just the power that would cause you to shake because he's drawn near. So he said, it's me. Don't be afraid. Even though I've never come to you like this before. Matthew, picking up, continuing verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Jesus said, come. So I don't really think this was Jesus' plan. But Peter got to participate. Jesus was impressed that he even asked, can I come to you? There's things that, that God has for us, and there's some things that he decides to let us do because we've asked, because he delights that we want to participate in, in the supernatural realm, that we want to do what he does. I remember when I first got open to the Holy Spirit, uh, I was a Baptist pastor, and one of my deacons gave this illustration right after we had this visitation from God, and it was one of the greatest illustrations I ever heard about healing ministry. He said, I, I, he was building a house and he's living in the basement and then they're going to build the second above the ground later. And, and they were on, on the rafters, on the beams. They had, he had a big ranch and he's tightening up the screw. Well, his son, Ryan, Rylan was only like five years old, but he, because little boys love to be with their dad. And you've seen the commercials, you know, where the, against smoking, where the, you know, the boy's doing everything his dad's doing and years ago, and then the dad pulls out the cigarette and the boy's looking at him. You've seen those commercials. There is this thing about little boys like to be like their dad. And so Rylan is with Tommy, my, my best friend and deacon in the Baptist church. And he said, I, I'm trying to put my hand on that and, and, and loosen that big bolt that's holding that beam on there. And said, little Rylan, he's five years old. He has no strength at all. He puts his hand on there. He wants to help his dad. I was so pleased. And as he's, he can't move it. But I saw what he's wanting to do. So I put my hand over Rylan's hand. And I opened, moved that bolt. And he just smiled from ear to ear. Because he felt like he had done something. That's the healing ministry. When the Lord sees we want to participate with him and do what he's doing because we're invited into it, he loves to put his hand over our hand. And we're not really the healers. He's the healer. But he likes to add his strength to our attempts. So Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now, there's something about this getting out of the boat. A lot of people, we want to keep one foot in the boat and put one foot in the water because we can always then pull back out. And, and Jesus doesn't really 
let us see a miracle that way. It's only when you take the other foot and now you're totally committed. And I don't think when he took his first foot out and put it on the water, it was solid. I heard somebody from Michigan yesterday saying that they have a class on walk, uh, walking on the water every uh, winter uh, <laughs> where they get to walk on the water, but it's solid. Um, but I don't think it was solid. I think he, he put his foot in. It, just, it actually just went in. It's only when his, his second foot in, and I, he may have even let it go down. I don't know, through your knees, and then it just starts coming up. And now he's walking on the water toward Jesus. And I remember when I was uh, going, uh, working on my master's degree, um, I read this book by the, a Methodist denomination. It's a really bad book about this. It was a book of sermons, and this was a really bad sermon. And he took this passage of Scripture, and he said, sometimes we are in trouble because we should not have tried to do what we were doing. And Peter should never have got out of the boat. And he's talking about he brought these problems on himself by going beyond what would have been natural or normal. And I'm thinking, gosh, that is so dumb. That commentator, golly, that preacher, what's he thinking about? Because he was making it really, Peter made a mistake. And he talks about how embarrassed he would have been when he got back in the water and he got wet because, you know, he, he began to sink because he took his eyes off Jesus and got him on the storm and all that. And I just would say this, I believe... I got another take on it. Outside of Jesus, Peter's the only person who's ever walked on the water. No other disciples ever walked on the water. And he said, well, why was that? Because Peter's the only one that said, if it's, can I come? The others were satisfied to step in the boat, stay in the boat. You know, Peter had a mother-in-law, which means he had a wife, which means he could have had kids. And if he did have grandkids, you know, I believe that at the family reunion, come here, I want to tell you about the time your grandpa walked on the water. Of course, you know, he died pretty young, but you know, what a, what a story to have. And some of us could have better stories <laughs> if we were willing to say, if this is really you, can I come into this with you? Will you invite me? And so he did. He said, come. And so Peter is walking on the water, but he's actually walking on the word, the rhema word Jesus gave him in that moment. Yes, you may come. And so as he's walking on it, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he's doing well, but the storm came, got his eyes off to be in sync. You know the story. Well, there's the truth in this. The truth is, I think Jesus delights it when his disciples ask can I participate in this with you? Lord, if this is really you, can I come to you in this? If this is really you, will you use me? Can I participate with you in this? Some people get to walk on the water and on the word because they asked. There's something about faith and hunger, faith enough to ask. Every major breakthrough in my life is because I was hungry for more of God and asking to be used of God, admitting my dependence upon God and beginning to see things I'd never seen before because I was dissatisfied and believed that there could be more. He begins to sink and he says, Lord, save me. In verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying to him, now this is what's interesting, 
Oh, you of little faith, why did, why did you doubt? Basically saying, <coughs> you didn't have to get wet. So when you start doubting, you began to sink. Oh, you of little faith. And yet, he's the only one that had enough faith to even say, can I come? So if Peter is, oh, you of little faith, what about the other 11? Sometimes we think that there's, this is, was this a rebuke? Oh, maybe. Or it could have been an encouragement. Why did you doubt? Oh, you have little faith. You were walking on water. If you're afraid to get wet, you probably won't get out of the boat. So this is a lesson. Listen for his invitation. And not just an invitation. Sometimes the invitation, he will let you create it by your hunger. If this is really you, I've heard what you're doing over here. I see what you're doing with this guy. I remember the time I was with Bill Johnson, and he started in this season. He had had people stand and get a word of knowledge, and then, and then he'd say, we're not even going to pray. Start moving it, and you'll be healed. And I watched him do that, and I got hungry. God, I want to do that. I started asking God. I'd like to see people get healed where we don't even pray, just by a declaration. I think if I had never become hungry for that and asked for that, I'd never seen it. Are there things you want to have a breakthrough in your life? Are there things you'd like to see God do through you or with you or through your church? Ask. The ask sometimes opens the door. Now, he's not going to give us everything we ask for, especially when what we're asking for is not according to his will because... <laughs> You know, we who are parents don't give all of our kids everything they want because we know that wouldn't be good for them. But there's something about asking. And when that, verse 32, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now that's our first boat ride. Our second boat ride, Mark chapter eight, verses 14 through 21. The context is Jesus just fed the 4,000 people not counting the women and children, just the men, 4,000 men. He multiplied bread and fish and had a lot left over. So we pick up in verse 14 of chapter 8 of Mark. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they only had one loaf with them in the boat. I mean, he just took a loaf and fed 4,000 people, and now they got a whole loaf in the boat They only had one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven or the teaching of the Pharisees and the leaven of, of, of Herod. One's a religious spirit and the other's a political spirit. And if there's ever a day we, we need to be aware of the, be careful of both the religious spirit and the political spirit. Uh, in verse 16, and they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? What's he talking about? They just, they just watched the miracle. They just watched him multiply bread a little bit and feed 4,000 men. 
and probably 10 to 12,000 women and children together with the men. Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Jesus watches our response to the miraculous. If it doesn't produce faith, it's like, don't you see? Don't you understand? Are your hearts hardened? To see God work in the miraculous and it not change us, affect us, draw us, and create more hunger in us is indicative of hardened hearts. Having eyes to see, do you not see? And having ears to hear, do you not hear? Do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many full baskets of broken pieces did you take up? And they said 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? Well, leftovers. And they said seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? The truth is, we can be really dull and we can miss a lot. And there are a lot of things that we don't understand very well. But I hope that this weekend we are creating a hunger. I want to understand more. I want to understand how these things fit together. I want to understand what's the relationship between revelatory gifts and the gifts of faith and gifts of power and healing. I want to understand how God uses words of knowledge. I want to understand the how he uses testimony. I want to understand how there's a, 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 just the timing of something causes us, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are not hard, we see God in it and we know how to participate with him. So the point I want to make, and my wife would be so proud of me when I used the word point because I used to have no points in my sermons, just stories and she would say, what was your point? I need a point. And, and so I'm, I'm a better communicator because I married a woman who needs points. And um, so the, the, the point I want to make from this is that in the midst of the supernatural, Jesus expects us, he expects our faith to grow when we experience the supernatural. He, he says, you can't stay where you were now that you saw what I just did. I expect you to become more open, more expectant. I expect that your faith should grow. Why are you talking about bread? How much, I mean, we had the five loaves and we fed the, you know, the, the 7,000 or the 5,000 and with seven loaves, we had the four loaves, we fed the 4,000 and we picked up 12 basketfuls left over and seven basketfuls. Why are you guys talking that you don't have any bread? Don't you understand? He said, I, I, I expect that your faith in me grows the more you experience in me. I, I, it's like, I, I don't want you to stay where you were. As a church, as a person, as a people of God together, you should be seeing more today than you did 10 years ago. 
In 1984, I'd been ministering for 14 years. I'd seen five healings in my life. As a pastor, 14 years I'd seen five healings. By 1994, we were seeing healings on a regular basis, but it still wasn't that many percentage-wise. In January of 95, I saw more healings in that month than I saw the first 24 years of life as a minister put together in one month. In 97, I think it was, when I went out to Reading, we were seeing 3% of the people get healed. The numbers, I said that wrong. The numbers of healings to the number of people in the room was 3%. And it had been that way for several years. And then we had something happened and God revealed something about his sovereignty and how much healing takes place. And I had a misunderstanding of sovereignty. And instead of 15 being healed at a halfway through the service, we had 157 healings, 10 times what we had. And from that moment on, we never went back to 3%. It was always like 10% um, healing uh, to people. And then uh, two years before COVID hit, both in the United States and in uh, Brazil and other places, we were now seeing about 20% healings ratio to people in the meeting. So if you had 1,000 people, now instead of 100 healings, you were seeing 200 healings. Half happening from the platform and the other half from the laying on of hands with the team. What I'm talking about is I think it pleases the Lord when he sees that we are learning. That when, we, when, he, when he does something in us and through us, we reflect on it, learn from it, and expect to see more. So that's, that's the passage, the second boat ride. It was kind of like, guys, I do expect more out of you now that you just watched me multiply bread when you say you don't have any bread. Now that has to be balanced, though, by this third boat ride. Because there's a, I, I, we, we, it's not like that we, because we've experienced it, we can have it anytime we want. Um, one time I was in, with Bill Johnson, we were in the Caribbean, and there was about a, a couple of thousand people in this tent. We were doing this meeting. And uh, I'd, I'd spent 45 minutes the night before just working with words of knowledge and praying with people, and we had a couple of hundred people get healed, and, but the, the, and I didn't have time to preach. And so this night, the Lord said, I do want you to preach this message so you can't just, and, and the buses are going to come at 10 o'clock, so you got to, and I'm thinking, well, God, how are we going to do that? And I still didn't have a clue, and as the sermon, as the worship's going on, the Lord reminds me about 10 years earlier, he had awakened me after a very powerful worship service, the most powerful worship service I'd ever seen in the history of my church at that time. And he woke me up wide awake, and I'm not a morning person. I don't wake up wide awake. I wake up slow, but I'm wide awake. And I just heard this so strong. I want you to understand that when my presence is in your midst in worship, so is my power to heal. And you're not making that connection. Whenever the glory comes and the people are weeping and touched and the, 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 the presence is so strong in worship, you guys, he's saying to me, you need to understand, so is my presence to heal. But if you don't seize that opportunity, if you don't have that understanding, you will not go for healing. So anyway, they remind me of that, and I'm in the um, capital of Dominican Republic, 
And uh, so I, and they're singing this song and the power of God was there. And I said, we're going to sing that song again. And this time, as we sing this song, God is going to heal you. We're not going to pray for you. God's just going to heal you because he told me one time, when his presence is in our worship, so is his power to heal. And I am just telling you what he told me. That was the first time I ever stepped out on it. Now, here's something that's true, and I, I hate to admit this, but it's true. Sometimes we will step out of the boat with nobody that we know is watching. It's easier because if we sink, we won't be too embarrassed because we never have to see those people again. So it's really, as a pastor, get out of your church and go somewhere. Nobody knows you, and, and you'll try things there you won't try at home. And when you get the breakthrough there, though, you will bring it back to your home church. And then you'll see, because you saw God do it. So anyway, we had as many people get, like in one song, we had 200 people get healed. That took faith. But the second time, it was even harder. I was in Manaus, Brazil, a thousand miles in the rainforest of northern Brazil. This church has had 11,000 people in it that night, 10,000 seats and 1,000 people around the perimeter. And I felt like the Lord quickened that to me. Now I'm thinking, because before I'm thinking, that's, that's God. Because I would never think to do that. He's reminding me. Now I'm thinking, am I thinking about that because it worked in Dominican Republic? Or is it really God? I stepped out, risked. It was God. And instead of 10%, or 20%, we had 90% of the people there got some type of a healing in their body that night because there's two things happened. One was we said in this song, God's going to heal. And the second, I said over here on my right, a lot of healing's about to break out. That's all I said. The reason why I said it, I had a seer with me on my team, a friend of mine, a pastor, whose eyes had been opened to see the angelic, and he told me over on the right, hundreds of healing angels just came in over on the right side of the congregation. Now, I didn't mention angels because I think, you know, they're fellow servants like us. They're not worthy of worship. We don't focus on them. We focus on Jesus, you know. But over on the right, and lots of healings start happening. He expects us to learn. Now, our last thing, balancing out the expectation that we learn and we step out and do things is the question is, can we, can that get out of balance? Can we make mistakes? Are there times that we can um, think it's God and it's not? Can, can there be a time that we're now moving from that was faith and the next time I did it was presumption? That I think there is this tension we have to deal with. God expects us to grow, expects us to see more, expects us to believe for more. But can we step across the line, so to speak, and get into presumption? I think so. And that's the way I want to end it because I, I, I don't want to, this, this, there's not a formula for this. This is very much relational. But it doesn't mean he's mad at you if you missed it. He'll look at your heart. He'll dry you off. 
give you another chance. John 21, 1 through 9, our final boat ride. And what do we learn about faith from this one? This is a, Jesus already been raised from the dead. And the point I want us to make is Jesus doesn't expect us to do things again because we got to do it once. He doesn't expect us to become, to move in presumption when there hasn't been the leading or his invitation, like Peter said, if it's you, let me come. Okay, come. <clears throat> so Peter's the only one who walked on water. I think in, in the John's gospel, I think in, we see the second time <clears throat> Peter planned to walk on water. Is my opinion. I'll tell you why in a moment. So <clears throat> after they fished all night and they haven't found anything, haven't caught anything. And after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. <clears throat> Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which have been John and James, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that, but that night they caught nothing. Verse uh, 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. This is going back to the way James and John were called originally by the sign of the miraculous catch of fish when they caught nothing. And Jesus said, now throw your boat net on the other side. He reminds them of the very first time, the first miracle they may have seen, and he does it again. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved in John's gospel, that's referring to John himself, Therefore said to Peter, so John says to Peter, it's the Lord. And when, Pete, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, this is the part that makes me think that he was planning on walking on water again. When he heard that it was the Lord, <clears throat> for he had stripped for work, he was in the swimming trunks. And you've all, you and I have all watched enough television to know that when somebody's drowning and you got to jump in the water, the first thing you do is you take your coat off, throw it on the shore before you jump in to swim because it's a lot harder swimming with your coat on than when it's not. And do you all agree? This is just common sense. Have you ever noticed this? What? He, he, I mean, he stripped down to work in his, in his swimming trunks and it says he, <coughs> it's the Lord. And what does he do? He says... He, he, he put on his outer garment. You don't put on your outer garment if you're planning on swimming. The fact that he put his outer garment, I contend that he isn't planning on swimming. I've done this before. I've walked on water before. But the first time, <coughs> Jesus said, come on. This time, Jesus hasn't invited him presumption. And what does presumption sometimes get you? Wet. <laughs> and he has to swim. The beautiful thing is Jesus is not upset with him 
You just need to know that God doesn't get angry when you miss him, if you're trying to step into the supernatural. And right after that, Jesus is going to set Peter down by the fire, which reminds him of something else when he denied him three times. And there by the coal fire, charcoal fire again, he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me more than these? And allows him to make up for the three denials because right after missing him, thank you, right after missing him, Jesus affirms him. <coughs> so when Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, gives you a word, walk on it. <coughs> Excuse me. Step out of your boat, take the risk, walk into the miraculous. It's so exciting. And know that the more that he shows you, the more he wants you to grow. And he expects your faith to grow out of these experiences. But be careful that you don't move into presumption because you can miss. I want to show a video and I want to make a declaration. As you watch this video, some of you are going to be healed before there's a prayer. You'll be healed as you're watching it or when you stand up and then try to do something you can't or put your hand on the organ that needs to be healed. Some of you will be a 44 got healed in this first service. Do you think this is the, do you think this is the group that he's mad at and he's not going to, you know, he, 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 that he's, he, he prefers the first service over the second service? No, no. All he's looking for is some of you in your heart say, if this is really you, bid me come to you. And you will hear. Come on. Let's watch the, the video. Uh, I had a word knowledge for metal. <coughs> I said, well, why can't you do something? I can't kneel. I said, okay, try to kneel. The moment she tried to kneel because she felt those uh, screws in the top of her kneecap. And she starts weeping immediately. Look at the scars. And she can reach down there and feel the, the screws. She can't feel them. They're gone. And she's just weeping. When she got up, I said, there's, some, there's a man right here. He's got the same thing. You pray for him. She prays for the man. He gets healed too. The same thing. You can see <laughs> being touched by God's quite emotional. This guy was hit and he had both legs cut off and he had to walk with calipers. And you can see the calipers over there, the guy in the light blue shirt's holding them. He was in such severe pain that he just could not walk without those calipers. And God took all the pain away in that meeting. And this guy was up in the balcony. There's a word of knowledge about the left shoulder and he had had a surgery. And they cut a nerve in two and they couldn't fix it. So there were movements that he could not do. It's impossible because the nerve is cut. 
And he's talking about when the word of knowledge came, he felt heat come on that side. And then he tried to do, and he couldn't, all those movements right there, none of those he could do. Now he can. <laughs> word of knowledge. Now, okay. Tem alguém ali com um tumor na região do ventre. One of them said that someone there had cancer E aí eu fui para frente. E o João Vitor, é o tradutor, me introduziu ao apóstolo Randy Clark para orar. E Randy Clark colocou a mão no meu ventre e nos meus rins. E orou pedindo cura. Eu senti um calor muito grande. E eu acabei caindo para trás. E eu falei assim: se eu fosse curado, eu teria esse exame para fazer a contraprova. To prove, dia 19 de setembro, cinco dias depois. Days later, on 19, e se eu fosse curado, healed, eu viria no VOA e mostraria os dois resultados. Both results. Before I had cancer, now cancer free. Three and a half centimeter e tumor in the pancreatic cancer. And a three, in, three centimeter in the right kidney. And there's the date up there. <coughs> What is the date? August 25th. 25th. Vocês podem ficar com o papel. And then you can you can keep this if you want to. Oh, Obrigado. Okay. E o outro, o outro exame que foi no dia 19, cinco test, dias depois, está escrito amarelinho aqui, ó. Showing yellow. Nada no pâncreas Nothing e nada no rim. Nothing was found in your pancreas or in your kidneys. Kidneys. Man. Toda honra e glória para o Senhor Jesus. Quando ela é co correto? Quando ela? Correct. Aceitar. Aceitar? Quando ela está aceitar, you, okay? If she misses, because I want her to know when she is right. Fernanda. 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 She's picking up for the camera from that mic she's holding. Fernanda. 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 
Last time she could barely hear me. We're in uh, Jean Stott's church, uh, Verbo church, in São Paulo, or Guarulhos. And uh, this man just came up to me. His name is Paulo. And he wanted to tell me what happened eight years ago. And so, Paulo, share what happened. What happened when Pastor Randy Park were here eight years ago? Eu estava com artrite reumatoide crônica. I was suffering with a chronic rheumatoid arthritis. Eu não conseguia me levantar minhas mãos. I wasn't able to raise my hands. E aí eu estava aqui no culto quando ele me deu a palavra de conhecimento. And I was here attending the service when he gave this word of knowledge. Ele começou a orar por cura, é, palavra de conhecimento sobre curas. And then e aí ele parou um tempo. And then he started praying about words of knowledge and then he stopped, stopped for a while. Olhou para um lado, para o outro. Aside to another place. Aí olhou em minha direção e falou: Olha, você que está com artrite reumatoide crônica, levanta as mãos. Then he looked straight where I was and said, Hey, you that is suffering with a chronic rheumatoid arthritis, raise your hand. Aí naquele momento eu, minha mão não conseguia levantar muito, só levantava até aqui. In that moment, my hand was, I wasn't able to raise my hand completely. It would just go in this position. Quando eu fiz assim, senti meu pescoço queimando. And when I tried to raise my hand, I felt my neck burning. Aí minha mão foi levantando, levantando. And then I was being able to uh, raise my hand. E aí fui curado. And then I was healed. Totalmente curado. Completely healed. Oito anos atrás. Oito anos atrás. Eight years ago. Você curou completamente, curado completamente. Após uns 30 dias eu repeti os exames, os exames não deu mais nada. And 30 days after the meeting, I went to the doctor to do some kind of examinations and so nothing, nothing was there in the examination. I was completely healed. Amen. Thank you so much for coming and tell me. Muito obrigado por vir. Reason why they, <clears throat> reason why that's important is sometimes we see the video right after they declare I'm, I'm healed. This is eight years later. He actually drove for hours to get to the church so he could tell us eight years ago I was at this meeting and that's what happened to him. Rheumatoid arthritis. We're seeing a lot of people, particularly women, uh, 12 in a row actually get healed of um, arthritis. Uh, I'm trying to think of the <clears throat> psoriatic arthritis. Uh, Twelve in a row got healed of psoriatic arthritis. We'd never seen it before, never prayed for anybody. And then this was another one that was encouraging. The other thing, last uh, a couple of days ago, I met a brother. He's like in his 50s. His brother, he lives in Michigan, came down with uh, fourth-stage cancer, and it was in the abdominal area, and it had been in several organs. And they basically said there's nothing they can do. And we actually prayed for that guy, and he just felt this power come in him. And, and uh, he, too, has now got a total um, healing from, from his cancer. So I'm going to ask if you, everyone, would just stand up. And I want you to put, if you have an organ problem, and it doesn't really give you, you know, it doesn't hurt to move it because it's an organ. So just put your hand there. But if you have muscular or skeletal issues, try to do what hurts, what you can't. 
You see, to say do what you can't doesn't make sense in the natural, but if in the realm of the kingdom of God, it makes perfect sense. Because as you try to do what you can't, often you find that now you can, and God just releases healing. I can often tell how much is going to happen by how much movement I see. That's why I like to go to Brazil, do a meeting like this. You don't see hardly anybody not moving. It's almost everybody is, they actually believe what I said. Actually, the Lord did tell me, he said, don't let people sit passively waiting to feel something. Ask them to get on their feet and do something they can't do. Or Roberts understood that there wasn't a power coming out of the television when he said, extend your hand toward the television. He just wanted to create a point of contact for release of faith. That's what I'm doing as well. So check it out. Knee problems, you ought to be bending your knee. You got some hip problems, you ought to be doing this. You got, you know, if it hurts to twist, then you ought to twist. If you can't, if you know, if you, if you, I need to squat, then get out in the middle of the aisle and squat. See what, what you can't do. And just don't do it one or two times. When Paul said, seeing faith on this man, what does it look like? You see them, they, they just keep going. They believe you. All right. If you are 80%, I'm not, we're not asking for you to be 100% because we're just counting a few minutes. But 80% is a significant degree of improvement. Pain's gone down and function's been restored. It can be your hearing, be your eyesight, be all types of things. You can give glory to God if that's actually your situation. Now, I'm not asking you to, I'm, I'm, I'm confessing my healing, I understand that, but we're looking for the manifestation of the healing, not just the confession. I know that you were healed at the cross 2,000 years ago, but there's a difference between that and the manifestation of that healing happening in your body, and that's what we're looking for right now. The manifestation of healing, 80% or more, wave both hands over your head. And in doing so, you're bringing glory to God. And it's a way of being like the one, the one out of 10 that came back and said, thank you. All right, I'm going to count. Keep waving. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Look in the balcony. 10. And then that 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Okay, 15. Now back to this side. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, this side 21, 22, 23, 24, both hands. One hand is I'm better, but two hands is I'm at least 80% better. 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37. Thank you, Lord. 37. Hey, let's give the Lord a hand and raise Him for His glory. <clears throat> now, if I was praying for one you as an individual, and I would have prayed, or I would have asked you how you're doing, if you're 80% better, or if you would have said, I'm not 80%, but I feel heat, I feel energy, or I'm getting better, I wouldn't walk off. See, if I was trying to lead you to Jesus in evangelism, and you were crying, but you hadn't yet given your life to the Lord, I'd want to talk to you a little more. 
because I recognize in the tears conviction of the Holy Spirit. He's working on you. The same way is true in, evangel in, in, in healing. We need to bless what the Father's doing. So how many of you are not 80% better, but there is some improvement, and you're also aware of His presence touching you? Would you put one hand only in the air and leave it up? Because I'm going to see... Okay, and we're going to pray. If your hand is not raised, but you'll see hands around you raised, just point your hand toward them. And I want you to agree with me. We're going to bless what God is doing. Now, Father, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for 37, it's at least 80% better. But we pray now, Father, for these that you're touching. And we pause to honor your presence. And we pause to not only honor your presence, but come in agreement with what you're doing and say, thank you, Lord. Multiply your power. Multiply your power. Open ears. Open ears to hear. God, create new parts in the ears. God, we pray and we bless the eyes. We bless the ears. We bless the joints. Lord, we, whatever is wrong, we just pray. Your power, come. Your energy, come. Like that guy said, I felt all this heat come in my body. Father, we pray for that healing presence of God to flow through their bodies. In the name of Jesus, we bless these Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glorify the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, glorify the name of Jesus down here on the and on the in the balcony as well. In the name of Jesus. Now, take a few seconds. Check it out again. Try to do what you can. Pay attention to your pain levels or function levels. Try to do what you can. So, 100% of the people who get healed with metal in their body, they are healed in Brazil after they try to do what they can't. They don't get healed before. I don't know why. I've, I've seen other places where they did, but in Brazil, 100% of them. It's when I tried, that's when I could, in the midst of the trying. Okay. If you waved your hands a while ago, don't wave them again. I don't want to double count you unless... You got healed of two things, and so you can wave twice. All right, if you're now at least 80%, wave both hands over your head. You weren't a while ago, but now you are. Wave both hands. Keep waving. Just, just give me time to see how many. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Hi, hi. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Now the balcony. And in the balcony, wave really uh, both hands. 27, 28, 29. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Did I count you a while ago? I didn't. 30. What did we have a while ago? 20-something and now 30. Huh? Total? It's this service. Okay. 67 healings in this service and 44 in the last service. Thank you, Lord. I hope some of you got a pretty major healing. Come back tonight and, and, and tell us what it was so we can have time for testimonies. Well, we don't, we're really running out of time now. I just want to end with this. Often, people come to faith in Jesus because they see His signs and wonders, His miracles, 
His love, His compassion. You may be here this morning and you, and you actually got a healing and you know, you, well, I'm not really walking with the Lord. <laughs> and uh, His mercy and His grace that just came to you may move you to say, I, wanna, I just want to rededicate my life to the Lord. I want to give my life to the Lord. If you're here and you just witnessed what God did, I want you to know that as much as it costs to get your, for your healing, the scourging at the cross, for your salvation, he died, gave his life, took your place, paid the price for your sin. If you're here and you'd like to give your life to the Lord and you'd like to have someone get back and get in touch with you and follow up with you and pray with you um, for the next, I think, 30 days or more, um, just lift your hand up. Say, I want to do that. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. Just lift your hand and we'll pray a short prayer with you and then dismiss you. Anybody? Where? Wave your hand. Okay. All right. Let's pray. Would you repeat after me? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for drawing me, revealing to me that I need you. I need forgiveness. Giving me faith that you would love me and forgive me. I yield to you my life. I want to serve you. I ask for you not only to forgive me, but I ask for you to fill me with your spirit and empower me to live victoriously. I believe that you have taken my sins away from me as far as the east is from the west. Your word says you throw them into the deepest part of the sea, never to be brought up against me again. Father, thank you for salvation. Jesus, thank you for salvation. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org. Follow us on social media or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.